When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mysterious Universe, Season 31, Episode 1. Coming up on this show, we've got extra-dimensional cities, the cosmic forces of the solar minimum, and the bull eaters of Vietnam. I'm your host, Benjamin Grundy. Joining me is Aaron Wright. Welcome back for 2024. Welcome back. Thanks for gracing us with your presence. Next time you go on a holiday to communist Southeast Asia, <laughs> don't book a return flight on the day we're going to record, please. It was the only flight I could get back, and I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. It, no, it, it wasn't fine, and I'm running a huge sleep debt at the moment. I probably sound like I'm a little bit blocked up, uh, but look, I'm here now, and that's all that matters. So ready for a huge show. Why'd you go to Vietnam? Oh, well, it's a place I've never beautiful been Beautiful place, right? Absolutely beautiful. Everyone that goes there says it's, it's fantastic. beautiful. Never before have I seen such a a place. I mean, the culture is really fascinating, beautiful people. Uh, of course, though, like I, I got a guide because you need to have a guide. And straight away, the moment I meet him, he's like, oh, Vietnam is very safe. We have uh, one government system. And I'm like, oh, here <laughs> we go. And it really was. There was hammers and sickles everywhere. There was stars everywhere. Like it was a lot of... Um, but for the most part, like it's people aren't caught up in that, um, which was really good to see. But it's a very poor country as well. Yeah, of course. Like it still hasn't been. But in saying that, though, I was like, to see a country that's so unaffected by globalism was really refreshing. Yeah, right. Like really refreshing. And I was thinking, you know, in 50 years time, Vietnam's still going to be Vietnam. It holds its culture. Whereas I, I look at Australia and other Western nations and I go... Where are we going to be in 50 ah, years' time? Interesting. It's, I've got something about that coming up later on the show. Really? It's, it's, there's an actual term for that, how civilizations crumble towards the end, like the end of the Roman Empire. There's a term for it. It's called oika, oikophobia. Oikophobia. Yeah, it's so where, it's a fear. It's where you have like a aversion to your own people and your own culture, and it's seen it towards the end of uh, civilizations. I don't necessarily have an aversion to my own, my own culture. I think I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying there's a general apathy towards your own group preferences. Right. Yeah, right. I see. Yeah, well, that's like it was quite obvious in Vietnam because they're untouched by globalism. There was like, you, I think I saw one McDonald's somewhere. Um, but apart from that, there was nothing. Like not, although in saying that everyone's riding around on, on mopeds because that's all they can afford. Uh, you've got entire, like entire families. I saw one guy essentially moving house on a moped. Uh, it's a really confronting <laughs> kind of... I think I've got some... Was fact, house of the moped? No, I think if you open up... I think it's image three there, Ben. Uh, if you open up image three there for me, I'll show you. This was just... I, this is the only photograph I managed to capture. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's hardly their house. It's no, a, no, no. This wasn't there. It's this a coffee here. table. This wasn't... No, it's, this, she's carrying two stools. But okay. this, this is one example, right, of how people, like, they move about with, like, furniture yeah. and, like, everything. Like, my guy was driving past and I missed it with holding a big sheet of glass. Like, clearly for a shout. <laughs> and he's riding along. He's got this sheet of, like, big sheet of glass. A guy sitting at the back. Oh, yeah. It's just like this. 
I don't know how they're like getting through the wind resistance, but they seem to be fine. I, I remember <laughs> when I was when I was in Thailand and Koh Samui is a little bit like that. And the most fun I had was hiring a moped and riding around because it was just chaos. Yeah, like I remember is. once I came to one, this main road and uh, there was a truck with a monkey on the back and all these watermelons. <laughs> And a, a tree had fallen over the road and the truck drivers were trying to figure out how to get through and there's like electrical cables going everywhere. So oh, I stop. Yeah. Like if you're in the West, it's like, okay, you know, everyone needs to stop. Everyone needs to get in order, form a line. We'll figure this out. In Thailand, oh, just it's just like, over it. like people are going under the power lines. Yep. Riders are ducking down. There's yep. monkeys climbing everywhere. And for a moment, I was like, this is fun. This is great. So I just flew under the tree, well, rode around. They just get things done. This is the amazing thing because they have to. They can't stop. They just have to keep going. They have to get things done. It was the same here. So I saw someone fall off a moped. And yeah, people went to help her. But for the most part, people just going around, like just, just keep going. Yeah, you need a healthy balance between the two, obviously, because you ha- if you have too many rules, you, you lose efficiency and things aren't fun and streamlined anymore. But if you don't have any rules or any kind of, yeah, like... Concerned. Well, you look at the the amount of traffic deaths in countries like that, and you look at the amount of people getting electrocuted by wires on the sidewalk. Yeah, it's like astronomical. Yeah, and to, like, yeah. that's the thing. We think about like electrical cables and you know high tension power lines, that mm. kind of stuff. And that we've got one, maybe two. Like here, it's just like the whole telephone pole was just covered in wires and big bundles and all. And my guide was saying to me, he's like, "Oh, if one breaks, so we just put in a new one." I'm like, "Why not remove the previous one?" He's like, oh, "Why would you do that?" <laughs> so, so over time, the wires are just... Yeah. Is that why? It's, I don't know. Like, I was just like, is that what's going on? He's like, oh, you just put a new one in. I'm like... Yeah, I noticed that too in, in Southeast yeah. Asia. It's crazy it's with crazy. the wiring. It's absolutely crazy. Is that, and that's why. They just don't replace yeah, it. They just, just like, add a new one. Add a new one. <laughs> it was it was actually really refreshing. It was so... I mean, it's lovely to come home, of course. Um, But to go and see a place... Because I, I was like, also, I was like, oh, communist country. Like, is this... Where else it was, did you go? So I went to um, Chu Chi as well, which is a place which is well known amongst, um, obviously, you know, Vietnam enthusiasts when it comes to the Vietnam War. Uh, and this is where there was an entire tunnel complex that was there. This is essentially where the Viet Cong was fighting. And my guide's grandfather... No, sorry, father mm. was actually... Um, I don't know if he was in Chu Chi, but he was involved in, in the war. And obviously on the other side. And he was talking about how people were affected by Agent Orange. And that stuff was terrible. I can understand now as to why um, like it was used. It's wrong. But any type of chemical warfare is wrong. But I see why it was used. Because these jungles are just so thick. They're like triple canopy jungles. You can barely see through them. Um, but this particular image I've got here, Ben, this is at Chuchi. And this is the site. Bomb crater. Of, it's a B-52 bomb crater. And, looks beautiful. Oh, he said to me, well, the, the location's beautiful. Although they've got all these little paths now that you can walk through, obviously, because it's become uh, a... Are we looking at the crater? You're looking at the crater. He said, this is, it's difficult to tell from the, this, the image itself, but this is actually very deep. And he said, this has now been filled in. It's been, what, 50, 60 years, mm-hmm. you know, since the, uh, the Vietnam War, not 50 years. Um, and he said that, no, this, is, this has been filled in by just natural, you know, forest vegetation. Um, but these were all over the place. And he's like, do not walk off the path because there's still landmines everywhere through there. It's extremely dangerous. But here, this had this uh, 200 kilometer network of tunnels, which of course, if you know anything about the Vietnam War, you know that the Viet Cong were down in these tunnels. Uh, And I thought, I didn't realize just how big these places were. They had hospitals, they had homes, they had shops. In the tunnels. In the tunnels. They had these little rooms. What kind of shops? 
Oh, obviously. Who knows? What <laughs> well, what they would do, right, bombs would fall. So bombs would be dropped by the Americans and by the Australians and whoever else was involved. And what they would do is any bombs that didn't explode, mm-hmm. they would go and they would put sand into where the trigger mechanism was and they would pour out the dynamite or get the dynamite out and then they would use the metal. And so with the metal, they would create traps with it. So all these traps that you hear about, like these horrible, you know, um, basically pits that people would fall into with these these spikes. They were all inside the tunnels. Mm. And because with the tunnels, you had the story of the tunnel rats. There are Australians that I've, I've read about over the years. And in fact, a friend of mine, um, her husband lost his uh, leg in the Vietnam War. I mean, he didn't lose it. It was in a tree somewhere. But still, like he's- Yeah, he's, he found it. Yeah, yeah he's fine. Yeah. But, no, but he lost his leg in, in this war. Um, but I must say, like, it really did give you an understanding of no matter what side you are on, just how truly horrible war is. I mean, I know that war is terrible, but I think like we se- we tend to glamorize it in a sense that we see these movies and you know it comes up in popular culture and we go, oh yeah, the war. But unless you're involved, isn't it in just it. like the video games where you get points? Oh, exactly. And you shoot someone, oh. like a number pops up yeah, above their head to let you know you get points. It's horrible. So in this particular location, and it, it was fascinating because uh, fortunately I was I was very careful about you know what to ask about about you know a more paranormal side of these sorts of things. And I said, look, are there any stories of, you know, strange occurrences here? He's like, oh, yeah, plenty. Like, absolutely plenty. And so, of How course- How could there not be? Yeah, well, he's like, in these tunnels, so these tunnels, 200 kilometers long in these tunnels, um, there's only a, a very few of them left. But he's like, most of these tunnels have collapsed. Uh, you get to go into one of the tunnels and it is absolutely, um, it's like the claustrophobia that comes from them is, is terrifying. In fact, I've got one of these traps here, Ben. If you bring up one of the, uh, the images here- uh, they show you like every single one of these um, tra- types of traps that they have. But this is one example of the traps that you would have in the jungle. And as I pointed out, it was so thick and so dense that you just wouldn't see this. And you'd fall into one of these things. And they would put pit vipers in there or snakes, I'm sorry. They would put, um, you know, they would uh, put feces on those those sticks so that, you know, even if you did survive being mm. you know, punctured by one, you'd die of an infection in the jungle. Um but he said that many people would just flee into the jungle as well and just get lost. And he says, his, I think it was his father. His father was lost in the jungle for a year. He's like just surviving. Uh, lost in lost the jungle, in the for, jungle a year. for a year. And I'm just like, this is incredible. But I asked How him, can you be lost for a year? Can't you find a river and I didn't get ask, out? I didn't go, <laughs> exactly. I didn't go any. Well, this is like, it's dense, right? This is a, a dancing. But you're right. Like what would happen? But I think it also comes down to to fear and fleeing the the battle that's going on as well. Yeah, okay, so you're um, worried about the enemy. Yeah, yeah. So you're not really lost. You're hiding. You're hiding. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he was exposed to Agent Orange, and he still has ramifications from it today. And it, it's fascinating because it's created this social problem in Vietnam as well, is where they still have this thing about you know your family is very much involved in who you marry, and if the the person you're wanting to marry, if they find out that you've got family members that are exposed to Agent Orange, mm-hmm. they won't marry you. Really? Because he was saying, is it passed on? Is there a basis to that? He said that there's some weird effect, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's some type of um, mutagenic effect that came from it. I don't, or if it's just like a people have you know made it more fearful than it really is. But it sounds like it's pretty horrible. Uh, he said that you can have children and they're fine, and they get to 15, and then all of a sudden they develop these problems. Wow, where they can't walk, or there's uh, neurological issues that come up, um, and that's if their grandparents have been exposed to Agent Orange. Um, and of course, you know, he's like my father breathed it in and he was heavily affected by it. Uh, but the, the more paranormal elements of this stuff is, is, of course, with these tunnels, I didn't realize, he said there were eight, at any one point, there were 18,000 people in these tunnels. 18,000. Imagine like, the smell. This, oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, they were actually quite ingenious though in the way that they designed these tunnels because these tunnels kind of, oh, pardon me, 
these tunnels would um, have curves in them and then they would have like these false bottoms in them. They had traps, obviously, to stop the tunnel rats from getting to them. Um, but it was all designed that if you poured water down it, the way that it was dug, all the water would come out at the river. So you could never flood these tunnels. You couldn't throw a bomb in the tunnel because the bomb would, because of all the twists and turns, the bomb would only affect a certain area. Um, they also had it that if you um, threw gas down there, they had like these little gas doors that they would put up. And they would close the little gas door and they'd leave it there for you know a week. And then they'd go back and they'd be able to use a tunnel again. And these tunnels had been developed for, I think it was like 30 or so years in the, the Vietnamese war with the French. So they were all ready when the Vietnam War occurred. It's just... Um, it's just really confronting. Did you go into what we see on the screen here, like tunnels that look like that? Yes. Yeah. How did you fit? You're a giant I, Western man. Okay, so I climbed in, right? And I'm going, I'm like, this is okay. This is okay. He's like, oh, it gets a little smaller. You have to crawl. And I was down doing this weird <laughs> duck walk at one point. You know how you kind of duck walk through? Uh, and I finally got, my son, by the way, he's just walking through. He's just like twirling a cane as he goes through. He's just <laughs> like, it's fine. Uh, he's loving it. These these particular images, they're much bigger than the tunnels that, that I went into. The yeah. one that's there, it's much smaller. So I ultimately, I got down to, I was crawling on my hands and knees to get wow. through these things. Was there any secret Jews down there? See, I've been off air, so I don't know anything that's been going on. And I get back, like, I come from this country which is untouched by the West, untouched by globalism. I'm like, it's been really calm. It's been really nice. And I get back and I find there's Jews hiding in a tunnel in New York. What secret Jew tunnels? I'm just like, what the hell? How can we be one week into the year when that story dropped? (laughs) And it's it's easily going to be the funniest story of the year. That video of the Orthodox guy climbing out of the sewer. Oh my gosh! I'd be laughing at that for I, I generations. Had, I know. I'm just like, how? Like, yeah, we're we're back to clown world. We're back to 2024. <laughs> I thought it wasn't going to be clown world, but we're back to clown world. Isn't uh, it funny how, in the end, the mole people? It, it actually was the Jews. <laughs> in the end, <laughs> the conspiracy the mysterious of the universe mole is always ahead of the curve. We're always ahead of the curve. How deep does the rabbi hole go? Aaron? <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That is just <laughs> terrible. Well, I didn't see any Orthodox Jews in these tunnels. Um, but I could see why there would be, uh, and the whole hungry ghost thing is very powerful in Vietnam. You know, like the people that that pass away, and, and obviously in such horrible circumstances. So uh, my guide said to me, with these eighteen thousand people that were living in these tunnels, he said ten thousand of them died. Yeah, and he said all their bones are still down there. He's like, not all, but a lot of them. He's like, their bones are there. A lot of them collapsed. It was the war that was going on, uh, and as a result of that, obviously, there's a lot of strange stuff which goes on at the surface, and. Uh, some of the other guides have pointed out and said, well, look, they'll see strange lights, which we know of, you know, that kind of stuff all makes sense. It's so typical for even, you know, Western, um, even folklore about, you know, what people see near grave sites and graveyards, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it spills over into other areas of Vietnam. And Vietnam is a very spooky kind of place. Uh, it has a lot of um, tradition, uh, paranormal tradition, I suppose you could call it. That, you know, some people have suggested, look, because they're a poor country and, you know, kids don't have things to entertain themselves with, um, you know, they kind of make up these stories, which is one possibility. Um, But another example of this is that because they're not being influenced by, you know, what's going on in the West and and more modern, just in more more modern ideas, I suppose, um, they're more in touch with the, the type of phenomena that's there. And this is like what was described by John Keel and Jadu all those years ago. You know, I'm not so sure if John Keel 
really went on the adventures that he took. Yeah, Jardu is very suspicious. It's a very <laughs> like if you're not familiar with John Keel's book, that was his first book, and he claims to have gone through Egypt and the Orient, and he's literally like Indiana Jones chasing a yeti through the Himalayas yeah. in that book. It is yeah. the premise is absurd. Yeah, I mean, he got bitten by a cobra at one point, but he managed to survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, pretty crazy secret stories. tunnels in Tibet. But the, but the idea of what he's describing with Jardu is like this black magic. This idea that's there, it's still. Um, it's very much strong in, in Vietnam. Oh, yeah. Okay. I did like this picture of Aaron shooting an AK-47. Yeah, that's at the tunnels as well. But I will point, I know I'm holding the, the magazine. The reason why yeah. I'm holding the magazine, <laughs> I knew you were going to give me a hard time about that. Uh, they wouldn't let me hold the the stock or the they wouldn't let me hold the, he's like, don't hold that because it's resting upon the whatever that concrete thing is there. I'm pretty sure that's um, up to code, the way that you're holding that. Oh, I, I was like, someone's going to die here. And there was a bunch of tourists uh, that were coming down. And I'm like, these things, I don't know if they were actually mounted to that block. I hope they were, um, but I didn't lift it. There's no way. But that gun, like that's an AK-40. I've never fired anything so powerful. Like I just can't believe how, how powerful that gun was. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to step away now. Uh, so yeah, that, did but, you look down the sites, or were you just shooting like that? <laughs> oh, no, I know. That's me just getting started. That's, okay. just, that's just getting started. I'm not just like holding it up and like just shooting around anywhere like a game. Like I was being very careful about about what I was doing. How many rounds can you shoot? Oh, you can shoot as many as you want. That's cool. Yeah, you just go and pay for the, it's. It's there's actually I didn't get a photograph of it, but just behind me there's like one of those tank mounted guns, and they've stuck it on like this fake kind of. Um, I don't know, the back of a Jeep and you could fire. It was so incredibly loud that even when you're down in the tunnels, you can hear, which is ages away, you can hear these guns being fired. Uh, so it does, like all this firing as well, it recreates the atmosphere of, of what's going on in this location. Um, but this stuff has now kind of filled out into other areas of, of Vietnamese culture. And as I was saying with the kids, let me just bring it up here. They've got this interesting thing called the can game. And I thought, what on earth is this? But this, this can game, essentially what they do is they get a, just an empty can, a Coke can or something like that, and they will light incense around it and do an incantation. Right? These are just kids. These are like you know young kids, sometimes teenagers, and it's got this effect of like a, a Bloody Mary kind of thing. Like they yeah, do right. some type of incantation, but what's a bit of a game? It's a bit of a game. But what they do is when they light this incense, um, they then will then focus onto the can. I don't know if this is some type of psychokinetic kind of effect, much like table tipping with what you and I experienced. But once a group, it's got to be a group of kids. It's not just one. It's got to be a group. Once a group of kids come around, they light incense, they do an incantation, and they focus on their can. They try to suck a spirit into the can. Wow. And what happens is, is that most of the time, apparently, according to the rumors, is the can will start dancing about and moving and floating, and they're all getting excited, and their energy is all kind of building so up. So it's like a Vietnamese Ouija board. It is, yeah. But it's all, but it, then it crosses over with table tipping. And I remember with that when you and I all those years ago did that table tipping, and nothing was happening until we started, everyone was laughing. And, and treated it, it like a game. Treating it like a game. I started doing it. It was the same kind of thing with it. And obviously moving a card table is probably harder than moving a can. So unless, I mean, there's some type of other effect going on. But it was, it was I mean, other people have said, oh, look, they pull strings out of these sorts of things. Um, but there's videos online, which I couldn't find any, but people claim there's videos online of where you can actually see it, you know, working like it's supposed to. Mm. Um, so with this, you know, with what's going on, they also have this really fascinating phenomenon of uh, tree spirits. And um, it, it's funny because I don't know if it crosses into these stories of people getting lost in the jungle or fleeing from the conflict and, and hiding out in the jungle. Um, but there's this strong belief uh, and there's rumors as well that this is why they have, well, why the Americans used Agent Orange, which I don't believe at all for the start. I mean, the reason why they used Agent Orange is because they were in a battle and, you know, anything yes, is fair, all's fair in love and war and it's, it's a terrible weapon. 
but it was completely pointless because even getting rid of all the foliage of those those plants, it doesn't matter. Like once they're down in the tunnels, it's very difficult to get into. Um, but what they did is that uh, there's rumors of an entity known as a MA, like a MA. And this this entity kind of it could be considered to be uh, a pale crawler, perhaps. It's got the same kind of uh, d- description about it. Uh, these essentially are, are lost wandering spirits that have started off with uh, people that spirits that get lost. They're kind of uh, left behind uh, for whatever reason. They'll actually merge into trees. And this is the rumor is that they will go into trees and you'll see like there's, there's all these trees and you actually have, I don't know if it's an authority, but you have to follow, you have to go and check before you go and cut down trees. You have to go and check with, you know, like a, a village kind of elder or something. If you could cut down that tree in case it's the location inhabited by some type of spirit that's come in. And there's these rumors. Ma just seems to be the word for ghost because if you look up a list of um, entities in Vietnamese culture, that they all start with Ma. Like Ma Da is drowned spirits. Is it Ma, Ma Po or something? Ma Tan Vong is lingering souls of hanged people. So it sounds like Ma is just maybe Ma. Just right. Means okay. ghost. There must be a very specific term for it. Which What's I, the I, term? Ma is all I got. Oh, okay. It's like Ma, maybe Ma Po was the other one. Is it? There's Ma Vu Dai, which is an old lady with humongous long boobies. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a, there's a lot of that. And I think for the educational purposes, we can <laughs> Here put we that go. on the screen right now. <laughs> Terrifying. It's terrifying. My there's, God. There's been coconuts hanging off those. They've fallen off. She's pissed <laughs> off. Some people like them like that. Like they like to see them swing, swing around like <laughs> What? I mean, to tie those up in a bow? Like that's it's terrifying. Yeah, these um they do have very specific creatures. They also floating have... heads that consume excrement. <laughs> yeah. The Marley. Yeah, there's also um apparently uh, kids as well. Like if there's a there's a type of ghost that normally manifests itself as a kid. Um, and it looks like it's a, a bloated corpse because, um, sadly, you know, a lot of kids drown in the rivers over there. And they've got a very specific term for it. Is that the one there? What's That's it called? That's the Mada, the Mada. drowned. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and normally they'll appear as like a, um, a like floating face down and people will encounter these things. And, of course, it will rise up. And, look, a lot of this stuff is superstition folklore um, of a culture that still retains a lot of this obvious superstition. Um, but there are more modern reports as well. Like there was a case that I was reading from uh, military.com of all places where they've got a whole write-up on people's encounters with Vietnam because a lot of Vietnam vets encountered some really strange things. Remember the phantom ape story? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, I'll tell you some of those stories. Like the phantom apes, I think Brent Sponsor uh, wrote an article on this a little while back. And those phantom apes, so with those those apes... Famous a, story of very... American soldiers... Uh, thinking they're encountering the enemy, and it's it's some kind of uh, ultra fast hairy ape. Yeah, that can't can't be shot. That can't be shot. So I was looking into this. So Brent actually referred to a, a book called "Very Crazy GI: Strange but True Stories of the Vietnam War." I believe that th- this is the book that we touched on when we were talking about those phantom apes. I wasn't aware though. That's just one or two of many stories of people that have encountered these phantom apes. And one of the most outstanding stories actually relates to. Um, the glowing beings, right? So these are like the phantom apes, but essentially there was a report of where there was a platoon or a uh, a, a group of soldiers that were uh, waiting for uh, an attack to come over a ridge. There's something like that. And as they were waiting, um, something did come over the ridge, but it was this light. It was this odd kind of light. And they were, were watching it because it was just so unusual. It was different to what they they were expecting. And when this this thing came over, it was these three beings these three very large, you know, eight to ten foot tall, 
um, they couldn't make them out exactly, but they were glowing orange. They were like orange glowing beings. And these things came and they started shooting at them because they thought they were the enemy. They didn't know what they were expecting. Obviously, it's the, the fog of war. So they're terrified and a little bit trigger happy. They're shooting these things. These things are completely impervious to bullets, completely impervious to bullets. And they started rushing them. So these guys managed to rush back down to a boat and they got on their boat and they started getting out of there. And they claim, and this is just like young guys, young soldiers in a, in a foreign land, in a terrifying place. Um, and they said that they could see these three orange figures still glowing in the tr- between the trees. They could see it as they went away. And there's multitudes of reports of this. You know, the rock apes are a really good example. People, you know, soldiers encountering these apes that uh, are very diminutive. They're about five foot tall. Uh, but again, impervious to bullets. Multiple soldiers reported this. It wasn't just you know one or two, and it wasn't like it was a story that had managed to get around. This is Im- amongst you know a very terrifying situation. And these soldiers are saying, "We ran into these little ape mm-hmm. people, and there was hundreds of them." And it was funny because a lot of the times there were these battles that took place with these apes. You know, they would they would fire upon these apes and they would you know flitter about and be able to get away from them. Apparently, um, they did an expedition in Vietnam in 1974. They did. They found these wide footprints. There was a Vietnamese uh, university uh, the, after the war that sent in, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, I think it was Trong or something, um, but he was a Vo, Vo Khoi? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, he went in. Uh, they didn't find anything significant apart from those those prints, but you're right. I think the prints, they said that they weren't they weren't human, but they weren't a large ape either. That's the cap of them. That's yeah. That's the capture. It's it's a strange location. It's a very very strange location. Um, I should have gone on holiday somewhere, and I would have had all these stories. <laughs> it's like God, somewhere exotic. I just built a trampoline for my kids, and then it rained. Great, the entire time you were well, away. It was it was fun to get back to the Western world because I had to go through Singapore, and when I got back to Singapore, I was like, "Yep, yeah, yeah I, I know where I am." Uh, we have Heavenly Wang. <laughs> that was at the airport. I was like, oh, that's that's great. That's just fantastic. Uh, and Did then, you try any of the heavenly wang? No, I didn't try any heavenly wang. I was uh, I was all full for wang. I was good. Uh, so I didn't do had that. enough wang in I, Vietnam. enough wang in Vietnam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I avoided that. Uh, there's also egg slut. <laughs> I was tempted, but I didn't want to catch anything. What is it? Like a cafe? It's a cafe. Is it a chain? You see them everywhere? Yes. Oh, you just see egg sluts yes. on every just corner? egg slut. Every corner has an egg and slut. People are just, and people I just, I should have gotten a photo of the other side. Like there's this massive logo out the front and it's an egg with egg slut written across. I'm just like, yeah. It's funny. You see like on the trains in China and the subways, people wearing t-shirts like, fuck you. <laughs> it's just on their shirt. Yeah, but you know <laughs> it's like what? A brand. <laughs> on the other side, though, that's what we're doing. Yeah, we've got like kanji characters on ours. No, I never like, wear off. kanji, dude. If I don't know what something <laughs> says, it's not on my. Brain. I know. I've learned that lesson. I've definitely learned that lesson. So, uh, yeah, look, it's uh, Vietnam. If you ever get a chance to go, uh, it's a very uh, a beautiful location. It, it can be confronting because it just is so different. Um, but it really is still untouched. There's other areas like uh, I think it's uh, Nhu Trung, which is a little bit kind of north of, of Ho Chi Minh City, which they still, by the way, they prefer to call it Saigon. So everyone you know there calls it, even though on the west we call it Ho Chi Minh City. And my guy's like, no, we just call it Saigon. It's it's yeah, still of course, Saigon. Yeah, keep the old name. Yeah, dude, egg slot looks delicious. <laughs> Look at it. Imagine that. We don't have those kind of breakfast options here. We've just got classic Aussie bacon and egg rolls. So should we open up an egg slot here? Should that be our next business venture? If if we opened like a bunch of egg slot chains across (laughs) Australia, we would be multi-millionaires. Look at that. Look at that. I think there would be a barrier mm. to entry at first. I think because I was the same. I was like, oh, you know, if they should should put that actually their menu out the front. So even when your first reaction is like, oh, egg slot, you're like, oh. 
<laughs> It'd be funny if they just named them after different types of prostitutes. Like one, one of them's the whore burger. The the wench egg roll. The, the prosy poached. Prosy poached eggs. <laughs> So is that is that your segment? Just travel stories? What are you talking no, about I today? Wanted, well, I wanted to bring actually. Well, I wanted to talk about what we've been missing. What's been going on? Um, well, there's the Jew tunnels. There's the Jew tunnels that have been going on. Uh, have you also seen the ten foot strange beings that were seen traversing no, the Brazilian island? No, no. You know that when we're on holiday, it's the most anti paranormal time I of the year. The way nothing gets looked at I at know. all. I don't well, go. I don't even go on social media during. The neither week. do I. So I I brought this up actually. I've just sent you a link to it, Ben, so you can just bring up the video here. Uh, the reason why I raise this is because just as I was I was leaving, I saw this ridiculous social media post come up um, that was apparently there were aliens in Miami. Right, there was these all these alien Miami cops shut down rumors of ten foot tall aliens UFOs at shopping mall. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Why is it that all of a sudden we jump into there's but what's fascinating about this kind of stuff? Isn't this I, just someone close? This is Brazil. That this is someone close. I think what people have described it, they've said that in in this particular incident, that it's probably a hiker holding a hiking pole. And because how can you go, oh, that's 10 foot? Like it's it's, it's just nothing so, to it's compare just it someone against. on the hill. It's just someone on the hill. Yeah, exactly. It's just a, yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't get it. So what happens though around this kind of stuff, and this is repeated over and over again, is that you have these uh outbreaks, these flaps of phenomenon that even though it's it's not real, like it's people misinterpreting things and people getting caught up, this happens throughout history. It's it's really fascinating. It's like it will occur all around the world. This isn't just a phenomenon which is influenced by social media. This has been something which has been happening actually for a long time when it comes to paranormal phenomena. And it just so happens that uh, something very similar to this occurred back in 1966 that was recorded in uh, by uh, it was in Erie, like Lake Erie, uh, and it was recorded by John Keel. Right, and it's the same kind of thing. It's this weird phenomenon that starts up. So the whole Miami case, right, with Miami, and it was like, oh, there's aliens. It just turns out it was a bunch of youths creating a ruckus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So I don't know how it somehow turned from... You know, it was a, a four teens creating a bunch of problems to being aliens, but that's how it got interpreted as. Then this Brazilian thing's taken off. But if you go all the way back to, oh, and of course, then you've got the flying jellyfish, by the way. Did you see that as well with the uh, Corbell, the, Jeremy the, Corbell? The bird shit on the lens. Yeah. It's just- What is going on? I know. It's it's really strange. What is wrong with people? There's, there's something really strange going on at the moment where people are seeing completely normal things and they're interpreting it as aliens and UFOs. Like that's like I mean, I'm not 100% sure that's what it is, but just at a, a glance, 
that's the most likely scenario. Well, There's something on the lens of the camera. I, I'm really surprised at Jeremy. I really like Jeremy. And I think Jeremy is really uh, down to earth when it comes to this stuff. But I, I worry that people like Jeremy, uh, they've got the Linda Moulton Howe effect of where there's someone who has uh, been in this field for so long that they're kind of getting blinders on when it comes to to some of this phenomena. So he released uh, raw footage. Of, he was on Rogan about that, three days ago right. explaining it. So the military filmed what he said was this UAP incursion. It was at the United States Joint Operations Base. Uh, and yeah, you've got the image here, Ben. So apparently this is a form, it was said to be invisible to the eye. They couldn't see it. No well, one. Could, maybe it's not on the camera because on that, I haven't seen that wide view. It looks like it's, it's like there's a parallax effect where it looks like There is like a it's, parallax effect. See, that just looks like it's something on the lens. Yeah. It's it's kind of... That's clearly something on the lens. Yeah. That's what I, I think the effect is here. I think this is something on the lens um, with bird shit. You know, like what... It's what a bug or something. A bug that's gone splat onto the lens. Um, but then, of course, the fact that it's like from the infrared, it's like changing color. Yeah, that's the that particular image right there. Look at that. Yeah. Why are we even talking about this? Well, the reason why I raise it, right, is because there's something going on. Like, we've got this uh, sudden influence of people seeing things that appear to be relatively normal, kind of getting caught up and saying, well, it's it's aliens. I'm not saying you, why, why are we talk, we're talking about it because it's in our sphere, but why why is the general UFO investigation field looking at that video so because, closely? Because something's ramping up. It was starting at the end of last year with Grush, or the middle of last year, but kind of like there's something going on. Um, there's some of the other people right now. There's this strange rumor going around on social media that the event is about to occur. Have you have you heard about this? <laughs> is this Nasara? Is all that no. dong you got yeah, from Vietnam oh going to be worth millions of dollars? Oh, that dong! Like I had all this cash, right? Let's just Did you bring it. me I'm any like, dong? It was. Th- I've got some dong at the back. Yeah, there's plenty of dong at the back. I was like, I realized it was like thirty six bucks. It was like all like <laughs> hundreds of millions of dong. Thirty six bucks. I'm like, wow. Um, no, but what's what's going on, right? So there's been some rumors, and again, this is just rumors. But they've got um, uh, what's his name, Zuckerberg, right? So Zuckerberg is allegedly building this, uh, I guess, bunker on some Hawaiian island. Um, but it's not just Zuckerberg. There's a bunch of billionaires around the world at the moment that are constructing these very secretive bunkers, essentially these underground facilities. Yeah, that's been going on for decades. I know, and I'm just like, well, you know, like who buying property in New Zealand, getting a nice New Zealand place to escape to. Yeah, dude, if I had if I had millions and millions and millions of dollars, I'd totally be doing that as well. You buy property wherever you can. Yeah, so would I. You've got billions of dollars. Why wouldn't you own assets all over the world? Yeah. So the rumor is though is that apparently it's been uh, some of these programs are being rushed at the moment. There's uh, people that are obviously you sign non-disclosure agreements, but the rumors are is that some people working on these uh, builds have said, no, these things need to be completed by the middle of the year. Like there's been a sudden rush that's been put on these mm-hmm. uh, facilities. You know, one is Zuckerberg. Uh, you're right. There's another one that's being constructed allegedly in New Zealand by another se- uh, billionaire. And uh, I'm like, well, look, I don't know. I mean, the world is a little bit topsy-turvy at the moment, you know, but why would there be a rush put on it? It's probably a rumor. Then, of course, Google comes out and they've updated their terms and conditions. Now, I never make these connections, but some people do. And I'm like, okay, apparently Google has updated its terms and conditions to include this ability to censor anything in relation to a significant event. It doesn't say what the event is. I'm like, well, look, it's probably highly likely that it's just we're coming up to elections. Obviously, they're going to be very contentious elections, especially after what happened last time. We know that Google's involved in in big tech censorship. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're central to it. So that's probably all that it is. But of course, others are saying that no, 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 2024 is the year of the event. 
And that's, I'm like, well, what the event is, apart from you know, the significant increase in the value of Dong. It'd be good for us if it was aliens. But it's the if there is an event, it's most likely COVID 2.0 or something, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and this is what I'm kind of hinting at, though. It's like, I, I wonder, I think this is probably, if it's anything, it's going to be a PSYOP of some kind. And people have been talking about Project, is it Project uh, Bluebeam, which has been oh, suggested. For so, I mean, it's such a, a I, cringe idea. I tried to read this book last year, Survival oh, of the Richest. Oh, that's what I was going to read, yeah. Escape Fantasies of the Tech Billionaires by Douglas Rushkoff. Uh, it sucks. He's just he just whines about capitalism the oh, whole time. Okay. He's just he's just a whiny leftist. Ah, uh, right. And just oh, the system's broken. <laughs> you billionaires have so much money <laughs> for like three hundred pages. Really? But does he actually talk about like it's not a Richard Souter no, it's like the, underground look at, look at the setup. Or... Like the escape fantasies of the tech billionaires. Amazing. Like they've got these secret islands where they're going and hiding away like Thunderbirds. They've got underground facilities. No, it's so boring. It's just him whining about people that have the means to do that. Oh, I'm so pleased I didn't read it because I was going to read oh it after I saw this and I was like, well. It's like, yeah, some people are elites and they have lots of money well, because look, they're good at what they do. And one of the rumors, or they just got lucky. That's another possibility. But um, one of the rumors was with Zuckerberg, it's like, oh, he's uh, putting his own farming you know, facilities there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's an island. It's difficult to ship stuff in, even though you've got the money for it, but you would. I mean, but someone's imagine got a veggie that, patch in their backyard. Imagine having that much money. Like, I'm a firmly middle class in Australia, and having our own chickens and our own solar panels to be, have, be somewhat sustainable yep. is, a, is a huge goal for us. Yep. Like, you want to do that kind of thing. Yep. So you just scale it up. You, you've got you've got the means to do it, you scale it up. Like having your own chicken coop at home for Mark Zuckerberg is having a farm with a hundred workers on it. Yeah, yeah, ready to go. Well, that's the thing. I think COVID made it, you know, um, quite obvious to us as well. Like it, we realised because even with, like toilet paper was one of the major things, but it was like that extended it to everything else. You couldn't buy seeds. Remember trying to buy seeds? Like everyone panicked. You couldn't buy seeds. It was difficult. So it makes sense now that people are like, well, let's just provide some level of contingency I have a friend who lives in Melbourne who still has an entire like room set off at the side of her house. She's got like canned goods and yeah, yeah. rice. And <laughs> I'm like, what are you worried about? She's like, oh, it could happen again. We had rice. We stored heaps of rice when just before COVID started. We were yeah. like, better get some rice. It all went moldy. Yeah, exactly. Ex- like, live in this a month. humid capital. <laughs> this fully moldy. Exactly. You right. can't keep anything here. But I have this huge shed at home. I've got this six bay shed. It's massive, right? Anyone that sees it goes, oh, I wish I had that shed. It's useless. Anything you put in there is immediately moldy, immediately covered in gecko, gecko shit. shit. Yep. Immediately just disgusting. You, it's use. You can't do anything with it. Anything you put in there, you're basically throwing it away. I've yep. got a tip in my backyard. I've got a junkyard <laughs> in my backyard. You can just hide it from the council. Yeah. Though, that's all. And if everything that's in there rusts immediately. Yeah. Yeah. My, my you know, that gym that we we each bought. Yeah. My dad during that, COVID. Yeah, my dad put that together. It's already just like covered in rust. Yeah. It's completely covered yeah, in rust. That's, and that's the thing, right? So to have these billionaires doing this kind of stuff, you know, it's like, well, maybe you could be, you know, donating to better, you know, causes. But look, that's your money. And that's what they do. It makes sense that they would, you know, build these facilities and do this kind of stuff. Just in case. Like we saw what happened with COVID. We saw how crazy the world went. Um, if another COVID incident happens again, which it very well could, and I mean the release of a bioweapon from a Chinese facility somewhere... It could happen. Well, look, we're how into this show are we? We're 37 minutes into the show. Can I tell you what I've got coming up? Yes, please. That's a good, that's a good point. I was just going to go into John Keel's story, but no, that's Jesus good. Jesus Christ. 
I wanted to talk about Schwab's last Schwab stack of the year. Oh, yes. Uh, Schwab stack dot substack.com one of the the best writers on the platform one of the only ones i pay for the super spectral ecology everything he writes is just long really well researched and fascinating mm-hmm. and the one i want to talk about is this uh constant prodigy article where he talks about this strange weather phenomenon that occurred in europe and other parts of the world in the 15th century all the way up to the probably the early 17th century. And it's, you know, that famous woodcut where it looks like it's like 1600s Leipzig, Germany or something. Mm -hmm. And there's this old woodcut of what people have said are UFOs in the sky. It's like weird triangles floating around. I can't picture it, but I'm sure if you... you I'll bring it up now. I'll bring up that German uh, UFO woodcut. It's probably the first result. I'm sure many of you are really familiar with it. The 1561... Celestial phenomenon over Nuremberg. Here it is on the oh, screen. Of course, here. yeah. You know this, and, yeah. and the eyewitnesses at the time describe seeing all these strange objects and crosses in the sky, and like weird blinking lights, black triangular objects. And for years, people have said, "Well, this is obviously some kind of weird UFO event." Uh, but what Schwabstack does brilliantly in the article I'll be covering in the Plus Extension coming up is he shows how this is related to cosmic forces. It's not necessarily something to do with UFOs, although some of those reports might be UFOs. We don't know. But So when you say cosmic forces, are you saying this was some type of astronomical event that was witnessed by people? Yes, it's very specific. We actually understand what it was. It was the an event called the Maunder Minimum. Oh, isn't that the sun? It's the sun. It's the, it's the grand solar minimum where solar activity shrinks to a point where the sun is not dormant, but there's hardly any solar flares, there's hardly, hardly any sunspots. Solar activity now. just really drops to a, a low. And in a grand solar minimum, it continues longer than the typical 11-year cycle you see with the sun where you know, it'll go, sunspots will go up and then they'll peak and then after the 11-year cycle, it'll go back down to a minimum and it starts all over again. This is well understood. But in this period, uh, there's two of these minimums occurred in the uh, 1400s going up again to the late 1600s. People, this wasn't just in Nuremberg, people were seeing this kind of stuff all over Europe like dragons in the sky, strange spectral things showing up, uh, weird, almost like plasma-like entities chasing crosses. People were seeing three suns, weird beams of light shooting across the horizon. Does that normally happen, though, with a, a solar event like that? Well, how would we know? We haven't had one. Oh, we haven't had one. We Our, oh. our modern... Civilization hasn't We've gone through this. It. The last one was getting up towards the end of the the 1700s. Right. So oh no, been, sorry, the end of the 1600s. So there'd be no photographs or anything like that. No, no. So if you, and these people don't even know what electricity is, right? But what they're describing is really fascinating. Like dragons flying through the sky with electrical pulses. It'd hail, be cool they, to see. They describe hail coming down, but the hail is lit with sparks coming off it. Like, what is that? This is a 14 kind of thing. Exactly. This isn't just in Germany. It's described in France. It's described in England. All across Europe, you'll find these descriptions. And so what Schwab does is he correlates this with this solar activity. And so following on from that, I thought, 
you know, where can we go from here? Because he he ties this into um, witches, which I'll, I'll mention it coming up in the plus extension. But I I linked this to a researcher we've covered on the show uh, on a previous episode. His name's Sasha Dobler. I think he's a German guy. I can't quite remember where he's from, but he's uh, quite a talented scientist and he references all these reports and the the latest science on uh, the solar activity. Uh, this book we've covered before, Solar History, The Connection of Solar Activity, War, Peace and the Human Mind in the Second Millennium. And he uh, was quite firm in the correlation between violent revolutions, uh, wars, I recall, yes. and peak solar activity. So yep. when the sun is showing its most energy, human society, human civilization is influenced. There is war, there is revolution. And in his second book I'll be going into, which I discovered today, he wrote it in 2020, there's all these new correlations that have been found with solar activity, like uh, suicide, mental illness, mm. um, obviously violent crime uh, is all connected. And you can even determine your lifespan based on the activity of the sun in the year you were born. Really? So if you were born in a year that was close to the peak of solar activity, it severely shortens your lifespan. Like you lose like eight years. Why? Because it somehow like knocks off the telomeres or something? Yeah, it's something to do with that. No one really knows the specifics of how it actually works, but data from multiple places has shown this. They've huge study on Americans. I think they studied over 1,800 Americans, looked at their birth date, solar activity, and their lifespans. And in general, yeah, if you were born in a year where it's a solar minimum, you'll live about eight, on average, eight years longer. So immediately I looked mine up. <laughs> Are you dead I yet, I was b- born in 1981, which was a year after the peak. And <laughs> Is that it w- good? And it was one of the highest solar activity periods of all time. Uh what am I supposed to do if you die? So that's bad. That means it cuts years off your life. What You're like 1983, 83, right? 83. Yeah, 83. So you're probably better off than me. You probably live longer than me. Oh. Based on purely based on solar activity, <laughs> disregarding lifestyle and, and everything else. All other factors, no. Well, I think our lifestyles are pretty similar. So uh, yeah, but let's go with the sun. We're going to tie this in to um, the effect on society because essentially his second book, which I'll be going into, is, again solar behavior, but he talks about the current self-destruction attempt of the West and the new golden age. See, I, I wonder, going back to talking about the event, I think what's more likely with the event is it's going to be some type of Carrington event as a result of our solar activity. Well, that's why I wanted to mention what I've got coming up is because there's people who firmly believe that we are heading into a grand solar minimum. And the if that l- happens, what happens? I, that's what I'll be going into. Right. Okay. And there's there's advantages and there's disadvantages. Uh, and that's, there, that's coming up in plus. So when that, if it's a grand solar minimum, that means that there's less solar flares? Okay, so what happens is there's less solar activity, there's less solar flares, sunspots. But it actually, because of this, it weakens the Earth's magnetic field. Okay. And this results in more cosmic forces penetrating our planet and penetrating oh. us because that shield, that natural shield is essentially diminished. It's not as strong. It's not repelling. So you're getting... Uh, yeah, I'm thinking just about the sun, not about other cosmic... Yeah, you're getting cosmic yeah. rays. We we get bombarded with cosmic rays. And it's really fascinating when you look at history in these periods when we've been bombarded with cosmic rays, there are serious repercussions for human civilization. Does it send people crazy as well? No. 
there's massive advancements. Oh. Massive advancements. Okay, well, that's probably a good thing. The reason I wanted to bring all of this up, and I promised him I was going to plug it uh, on this episode because Bibu's new book came out on our break. Like Uh, It came out, Uh, Yeah, I think, the day after we finished recording our last show. Let me line that up there. Yuga Shift, the end of the Kali Yuga and the impending planetary transformation. Bibu Dev Mizra, a writer for Mysterious Universe. This is why Zuckerberg's building a bunker. Well, Bibu is on the money. Like Bibu has really nailed down the date oh, the, oh. of the end of the Kali Yuga, the time period we're in now. Okay. Well, we won't. You could buy the book. We won't give away the date. But can we? Is it soon? I'll link to the book in the show notes. It is very soon. We're going to have Bibu on for an interview uh, pretty soon. I'm just going to sort out some camera stuff. Yep. Uh, and get him on for a, a, our first video interview, which will be good. Awesome. So that's why I brought all that stuff up because you. Bibu's book is out. So that's what's coming up. Fantastic. Yeah, I, <laughs> 37, 40 minutes into the show. There's definitely something going on. It's, it's going to be interesting for 2024 to see where the world goes and what happens. I think, you know, it, for whatever it is, for me, it feels like the last few years have been extremely chaotic, but it feels like it's nothing in comparison to what's coming. I don't know why. I just get this strange feeling and I don't know what it's linked to. Maybe it is some type of weird solar connection, but we have been, you're right, in this solar minimum now for what? 15 years? It's supposed to be 11 years. And no, now- well, if you look at the 11-year cycles, what they do is there's a, an organization, there's a collection of scientists that count and predict the, the sun's activity in the particular cycle, in mm-hmm. its 11-year cycle. And when you go back through, and I think I've got them for my notes coming up in the segment, I actually looked at it yesterday, you can go back and you can look at the previous cycles. So cycle 21, they count them. Cycle 21 was 1976 to 1986. Why would they set it like in that that number? Is it just arbitrary that they, was this from the point that they started recording? It, it? must be from when they've been recording right. it. Uh, the peak in that period was 165 sunspots. The next period, which was 1986 to 1996, was 158 sunspots. Okay. After that, it was 121 sunspots. The most recent one, which ended in 2019, was only 82 sunspots. Right. So if you obviously, if you yeah. graph that, the sun's activity is going down, slowing down. It's becoming dormant. And when you get into one of these grand solar minimums, the, they last for hundreds of years, possibly, like longer than the usual 11-year cycles. So when you have this prolonged activity or loss of solar activity, as I said earlier, the human civilization the planet gets bombarded with cosmic rays and they don't have zero effect. <laughs> they do something. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I'll be getting into. So, in terms of event, I think it's funny when you talk about the future, obviously people can sense that the world is changing and it's changing rapidly. Uh, you can argue that in the past, like take the fall of Rome, for example, it was a slow, prolonged 200 fall. 200 years, wasn't it? It's a 200-year fall. Yeah. And you can look at the fall of Rome and you can see all the the red herrings. You can see all the canaries in the coal mine that we have in our society today. Yeah. Like you can see the... the Social discohesion. And- the birth rates being prim- the primary one. People aren't having children. People aren't getting married. Um, people don't uh, kind of stand up for their own culture or people. They're very apathetic towards their own group. Um And there's a massive influx of people from other cultures who essentially take over the civilization. Windows start falling out of aircraft. Yeah, like exactly. Things things stop getting invented. Things stop getting built. The competency goes down. 
uh, population starts to decline, everything starts to decline. And in the Roman Empire, this, as we said, this was a drawn out 200 year thing. But what we're seeing in the West, and this is what um, that researcher I just mentioned pointed out, um, what's his name? Sasha Dobler. That what we're seeing in the West is the same thing, but rapid. Yeah. Like but scary it feels like rapid. It's really fast. It's not happening over 200 years. It's like two years. I wonder if that's the influence of technology, though, because obviously in Roman times, they didn't have the technology for the, sp- the rapid spread of perverse ideas or, you know, like, I guess it's like a social contagion that's going through, which causes you know this collapse. But now because we've got social media, any whacked out idea or perverted concept kind of just could travel into anyone anywhere and it's just it's instantaneous. So does that lead to a more rapid fall of society? It's so interesting that you mentioned technology because Dobler talks about obviously when we're talking about geomagnetic storms or cosmic rays, we're talking about the influx of energy in different frequencies, yep. right? Yeah. And he actually ties in research that connects our use of technology with these frequencies, their connection to the Schumann resonance and things like that, which I'll get into. But you're on the right track. There is a connection between our technology and the difference between the fall of the West now and the fall of the Roman Empire, for example. There's something which, and I'll go into detail on this later, but there's something specific about our technology that seems to be accelerating the demise. Interesting. And it's got to do with our minds and our the way our brains and have entrainment with certain frequencies. Okay. Not to, All right. <laughs> to yeah, give away. It like, sounds I, a little bit but metaphysical. It's, it's it's actually more scientific. Like really? it, the book is hard to get through because it's this one, it's like all references to scientific studies. Like mm-hmm. I'm basically skimming it for show material. Yeah. But uh, it's pretty full on. Looking forward to talking about okay. it. Okay. I'm looking forward to getting to that. But too. It, I don't know what well, the event is. I, it could be a grand solar minimum. The idea that there's just one singular thing just seems a little bit retarded too because we're looking at a convergence of change. Yes. And it's not just one. There's never just one thing. Well, the character event though was one thing. Okay, so yeah, you could... It was a sunspot, wasn't it? That's a good point. Like you could have something like that. Okay, yeah, you're right. You could have something that triggers a a massive change. But then there'll be follow-on events. There'll be, you know, ramifications and fallout from that occurring. Like with the character event, well, you couldn't get a telegram through for a couple of days. Big deal. Now, if a character event occurred and there's no, you know, shielding, I mean, there is some shielding. Like obviously the government has stepped up in some circumstances and said, well, we need to shield this and that. But the reality is if a character event happened today, just think about it. I mean, I remember here in Australia, just at the end of last year, uh, the Optus mobile network went down because they did a an update. So all the cell phones went down. It caused like chaos. Like people were unable to feed themselves. It was nuts. Like I was like, what's wrong with you? Mm. Are you that tied to your phone that you couldn't even go out? Like, oh, I couldn't get home shop to work. Go to the shops. Like go to the shops. I just go. Well, none of, this, none of the shops would work. Nothing would work. But that was what happened, right? Then it was that none of the, because we're pushing towards this cashless society as well. No one could pay for anything. Like every critical piece of electronic equipment would be destroyed. Everything started to collapse. Yeah, it would, it would be collapsed. Yeah. And so this is, but the thing was, they were able to repair. I think they got the network back up in less than 24 hours. Right. Imagine if a Carrington event happened. Well, it's like this, everything out. there's military white papers, I think it's either from the Russians or the Chinese, that have calculated if you want to destroy the eastern United States in 48 hours, EMPs. you just EMP. Yeah. 
if you have a, a several a, EMPs, you take out the grids, you take out the electronics, you take out the system, people start starving like pretty quickly and yeah. millions and millions and millions die. Yep. From this one. So, and you could see what the, what the flow on effects from that would be. Like it wouldn't be just simply that you know, you've got millions of people dying. It would then have a shutdown of essential services and it would spread right? because people are not able to function. The way around it is you go to a grocery store that not many people know about. <laughs> I, it's funny that's, when you see people. The way around it's it. funny when you see people trying to think around it. Like, yeah, the supermarket won't work, but I'll go to a different supermarket. Oh, and get yeah, my food there. No one else knows about. <laughs> it's maybe just... that's why the Jew tunnels exist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they got their underground bunkers. All ready to you know, go. Going back to that, those dew tunnels. I don't. I don't mean to be. You know, I don't want to harp on it, but it's a. It's strange. It's so strange because you and I were talking about it when we came back to work, and I was like, "Oh no, they just put those in because that that particular group were being persecuted during the COVID lockdowns." What's funny how that like, that became <laughs> they the, were built after it. <laughs> that became the story. Like, oh, they did it because of COVID. No, I don't know about that. But didn't you say that they were built after COVID? Yeah, they were built after COVID. But <laughs> even then, people will argue, well, they're waiting for the next COVID. Maybe. But- I don't think that's necessarily like that obscene that that's, that story would be an explanation, but it's just that that became the ubiquitous explanation pretty rapidly. There's there's something else going on. There's there's some type of, I think this is not just for a group of Jews in New York, there, there's something going on globally. The, bo- the bottom line with that story is it's funny. It's a funny story. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah, of course. But it's it's also weird though. It's it's just strange. It's like what what would like? It's not like we're the Viet Cong. It's not like they were like, oh no, we've got some oppressors coming in, so we're gonna have to build tunnels under New York and have like little hospitals and little synagogues down there. Like it's weird. It's like it's strange. Why would you go and do that? It I'm in two minds about it because there's all this nefarious rumors and there's there's often been problems with um, child exploitation well, in those communities and there's all sorts of you know crazy internet theories about what's going on. But at the same time. Tunnels are cool. They are. Digging That's, things they are. are cool. Yep. And especially young men like to dig holes we and do. dig tunnels. Yep. And those tunnels were expanded and dug by the young men in that community. So part of me is like, did they just, you know, they didn't have anything to do. So they just built a cool, like they started digging and it, like it was cool. House. Like when you start digging something, it's cool. It is, yeah. And you, 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 know, you see men on the beach start digging a hole. Yeah. Other men will just join in and help dig the hole. Digging holes is cool. Digging things is cool. Tunnels are cool. Yeah. So there's that side of it. Yeah, but one of the ridiculous rumors was that it came out to a childcare center or something. And I'm well, like, it did. The tunnel went to the child museum. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I, haven't entered, I haven't really looked into the dark side of the... Uh, the theories out there too much. Well, of course, yeah, because it's a contentious issue anyway. As soon as you start well, crossing into that realm, I don't want to spoil the, the fun. No, like it's a funny, like seeing the orthodox guy climb out of the sewer. It's still like, how are we going to top that in 2024? <laughs> how are we going to top that? 2024, we'll find a way. We will. 2024, <laughs> we'll find a way. There'll be something more absurd to come out. Look, I know we're running really long on here, but I just wanted to actually. We're nearly at an hour. I know. I just let, let me just do I, this article. Again, what we should do for shows is we'll just go on holiday every week. Exactly. And then we'll come back yeah. with stories. Yeah. Oh, I'm not flying nine hours to deal with that, though. God. <laughs> you know what's weird? You, if you fly up to Japan, no jet lag. You fly three hours across, 
and you all of a sudden, like like just three hours, yeah. you feel jet lag. It's not the up that kills you, it's no, the it's sideways. A, yeah, it really is. It's just like, oh. Going anywhere from Australia is horrible. Though. I know. Yeah, basically. And you're flying cargo anywhere you go. It's horrible. Um, Scott Corrales, at the end of last year, uh, right at the end of last year, wrote this fantastic article um, that he highlighted was essentially covered up not the article itself, but the concept of where um, Tucker Carlson, and this has nothing to do with, with partisan politics, where you sit, anything like that. He said, look, on December the 12th in 2023, uh, there was an edition of Redacted News that was put on YouTube with Tucker Carlson. And uh, he highlighted this this couple of phrases. And I thought, this is something you and I speak about quite often, Ben. Mm. He said, this stuff was all kind of quiet because there was the war in the Middle East and you know no one was really paying attention to it. But Tucker Carlson said, look, in regards to the UFO phenomenon, there's an aspect to it which is immensely troubling. And he says it's due to its dark nature. And uh, Scott Corrales quotes him here and he says, look, there is a spiritual factor that I can't fully understand. It's deeply disturbing stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this is something that you and I have addressed many times, Ben, and we've highlighted that there is something dark. There is a spiritual factor to the UFO phenomenon. And I wonder with what's going on at the moment with, you know, even, you know, Miami, Brazil, um, you know, the stuff that's coming out of jellyfish UFOs, that it's either some type of psyop, which is being conducted to try and work people up into a fury, or it's something else, that it's the phenomenon itself, which is now once again touching humanity, interfering in humanity. And when you dig a little bit deeper, Corrales thinks that this is exactly what's going on. It's the latter, that whatever these forces are, it's a force that has always been with us as some type of intelligence but it just manifests in different ways. And right at the end of last year, Ben, you were talking about the fairy senses and what people are describing and how many of those stories, which you know cross into the realm of appearing like encounters with fairies, mm. but they also have this weird element that they seem like modern abduction phenomena. It's the same kind of thing. This is what's going on is that it's it's it seems like it's UFOs at the moment, but that's just the current iteration of how it interacts with humanity. It is interesting to see the core of these issues starting to penetrate normie land. That's what I mean, you know, yeah. Like, obviously, Tucker Carlson occasionally talks about fringe issues, but he's very much mainstream. Absolutely. And reaches millions yep. and millions of people. So for him and for that idea to be starting to... Permeate. Yeah, to be out there. Yep. People are talking about it, entertaining it. Because obviously, that is the core of most of what we talk about on the show is it's something beyond the physical world. We yep. Everything's tied into the spiritual realm. Yep. Absolutely everything. And it would only be in a secular society that's lost touch with its religions and with its gods and with its spirit that would go, oh, you know, there's something, there's something spiritual to it. There's something spiritual to everything. Yeah. Everything in existence is spiritual. We The whole point of our existence is spiritual. Yeah. And it's it's funny that this is starting because obviously that's a huge side of that particular phenomenon. Uh, the way it, everything about it, the way it operates, is outside of our material dimension. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like a little bit frustrating for it only now to be entering the, the mainstream conversations. Like, duh. Well, where yeah. have you been? Well, it's been decades. But but funnily enough, though, it has suddenly accelerated. Like the last few years, it really has accelerated of the idea and concept of, of actual UFOs existing is getting into the general population. But with it comes this understanding, and I think it's really healthy, that there is a spiritual and dark element to it. You know, and there are people like, oh, it's all positive. And like, no, 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 no. From the stories we've heard, it's actually dark. And you know, Corolla says, look, 
there are people in this field that have known about this for a long time. John Kill's a great example. He was one of the earliest. He said, look, ancient people ascribe this to demons. The early investigators were convinced that these were demons. And they, uh, Kiel concluded that they weren't necessarily demons, but they did leave their footprints behind and caused physical damage. And, you know, the term chimera may be used to describe them, that these are entities. So then you've got Salvador Fresido, you know, a yep. brilliant researcher, who elaborated on this, of this uncanny but terrestrial nature of the phenomenon. And that's important, that it's like we think it's extraterrestrials, but there's something very terrestrial about it because I've always been here. It's, it's with us. And this is where Frasida started toying with the interdimensional hypothesis. But he makes this valid point. He's like, look, these beings can enter our reality at will. They interact with us through various mechanisms, and we describe them as apparitions, miracles, visions, all that kind of stuff, right? But it seems like they've got some type of power that they want to take from human beings. They want something from humans. And Frasido actually believes is that they desire the subtle radiation produced by the human mind. In whether it's ecstasy or pain, it doesn't matter. That's what they want. And this is why now we've got it manifesting as UFOs, because they still want something from us. And what's upsetting about this is that it seems to be a one-way door. Like there's another interdimensional space somewhere that they can easily come to us and they do and they manifest in a whole range of different ways. But for us to go through, it's extremely difficult. It's extremely hard. And what that does, it not only provides a barrier to that realm, it also provides, a, a, uh, I guess, a shield for them for us not to understand what's really going on. Mm. And that, I think, is what really highlights this dark and disturbing part is that whatever these things are, they want something from us and not it's about us defending ourselves from it. We don't even know that it, like it really exists. We don't have any real proof of it. We have a lot of you know uh, like a lot of I guess um, stories, but we don't actually have any real proof, like real hard, cold proof that these things exist. Well, people like David Jacob say that an abductee can go their entire life and not realize that, what's been happening to yeah. them. Yeah. And Corrales says that, look, you can imagine that we are in an anxiety-ridden, emotionally fragile 2020s. So any understanding of the dark side of this could actually result in a mass upheaval. You know, this would be something which would be uh, very disturbing for our society. The precarious kind of situation that we're in at the moment, that, and maybe that's why though, maybe it's why it's being pushed so hard, because it's going to push us over the edge. And just to finish this up, right, Corrales, uh, and I'm going to translate this book. I can only find it in, in Spanish at the moment, and I will go through it this year. There's a book called Ovnus. It was uh, written by a Chilean author by the name of George Aronfus. And uh, he points out that in the 70s and 80s, there were multitudes of reports of people encountering extra-dimensional cities. Like, talk about them being here. They actually are here, but they exist in another dimensional plane. And he says, look, um, and this is the, the author, this is George of, um, of Onvis, oh, sorry, of, Ovnus. Mm. He said, I've encountered several bus drivers that belong to Northern Transportation Lines who claim to have driven through well-lit cities, cities that are not there on the return trip and do not appear on any map. That's so, weird. That's like fairy it's realm like a ti- stuff. Yeah, fairy realm, time slip kind of stuff, but something different. He says, others claim that buses and their passengers have vanished altogether including a truck with over 20 tons of dynamite, which was investigated by Chilean intelligence services and were unable to find any trace of it. That's so funny. Like, before you started describing what you're describing, you made me think of a book for some reason that I saw yesterday, and I was just trying to find it. 
And I just found it. It's by Jeff Selver. It just came out. Oh. Read the title. The Rising and the Alien Plan to Build an Enlightened City on Earth. Oh, that's nuts. So this guy. Did you read it? No, I started to skim it. It, it. We've heard the story before. This is one of these guys who in his later life, he's probably kind of late 40s, early 50s, uh, he had one of these moments where memories started to emerge. Mm. I don't know what triggered it. I'm not sure if he saw something or realized something, but he started to realize he'd been abducted since childhood. And the the book is a detail of uh, everything that he claims he's remembered now and weird events from his childhood. Uh, and he's con- he's convinced that the the Greys, uh, yeah, have this kind of plan, this program that they're working towards. I think this guy's in the camp of they're amazing and wonderful. Right. And well, as an abductee, normally us. you would want to believe that, wouldn't you? Because you don't want to believe that you know you're at the the mercy of these it's, things. It's just funny you're trying to you're mentioning these cities, and that's the book yeah. you're trying to find. It's 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 weird, right? So what um, George you know suggested with what was going on this particular location, this very location, it's got high concentrations of iron and copper. And he believed that there was this magnetic aberration in this area, which was the answer to the enigma. And this is about this door, right, of them being able to pass through to us very easily, but it's very difficult for us to go to them. And it could be that there could be magnetic anomalies around the world. This is why you've got these vortices, these window areas. This this is one location because of the concentrations of these minerals that allows us to often accidentally pass into these realms and even points out that you know there's mountains in Spain that have such high mineral concentrations that they actually affect the compasses of aircraft flying yeah, right. over. So there's a possibility that you know we, we could pass into this location. Is that where the jellyfish are coming from? Maybe, right? So he says there's a strange inequality of opportunity that we experience with every passing second. And uh, Corrales writes that some of these Chilean cases are as, uh, as disturbing as they are fascinating. And he highlights this 1976 case uh, that happened to a man known simply as Don Carlos. He claimed that his uh, Chevy pickup truck was attracted by a strange force from a desert track. He was pulled in by some type of seemingly magnetic effect. His car was. And as soon as he got out, he found himself standing in the middle of a city that wasn't on a map. Again, you know, another example of this. Describe this city. It's not described. It was just a, right. a, like a modern city, <laughs> okay. but it was not there. It was something, and a lot of these stories. What, and kind, I, what kind of city? Like, is it a, it's like is future, it an American neighborhood? No, they're, they're like always, downtown Spain? They're always futuristic. They're kind of highlighted. I haven't tried okay, so there's hyperloops and. Yeah, well, there was a really great example, which isn't. It's like Zootopia where there's little animals driving around in monorails. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, there was this great story as well. I, I can't recall where it was, but there was a woman that claimed that her vehicle suddenly stopped functioning. And so she climbed out of her car and she was on like in a next to a hill, like a valley. It wasn't a complete valley, but she was next to a hill. So she climbs up over the hill. And when she comes up the hill, she finds that there's this silver ultra modern city that's sitting in this kind of on the other side of this hill in this valley. And it was spectacular and it was all lit. It was lit up like an oil refinery, like lights over everything and you know, like people moving about in seemingly modern clothes and floating vehicles, very futuristic. She kind of shakes her head and, you know, ducks down for a second, looks back up, and of course, there's nothing there. I wonder if this is the same kind of thing. It's describing, you know, of course, she could have simply been having a hallucination or making a story up. But the fact that you've now got, you know, other researchers from other parts of the world and other languages saying that, look, you've just got truck drivers who are unassuming that are just going about their work encountering these weird cities in the same location. Is she seeing the world we could have had? I mean, maybe there's a possibility. Uh, a final one is, I wanted to mention as well is that there was a man who was a fishing boat captain. 
He claims that his boat was pulled irresistibly ashore to a strange city. He spent a night in this city and was sent away by tall half-human creatures. He took with him, he stole a golden teaspoon as a keepsake of the experience, which he would later sell to buy a new fishing boat. <laughs> okay, this sounds totally legit. The and end. of course, no details about his night in the city. The, Where did he stay? The details. Where did he sleep? The details. Was it, are a, lo- in, was it a little Airbnb? So the details. How did he pay for listen it? Listen to me. Did he have the money that they have in their weird civilization? How like how does any of this work? <laughs> the details are in Ofnus, but I haven't translated. Oh, okay. So I need to pull. So I will this year. I will pull up this book and translate it. Uh, I will use a better version of ChatGTP because Can't? the last yeah the last version was a little bit difficult. Actually, like, speaking of money, here's a really good example of interdimensional money stuff. There's this uh, folkloric tale I heard about um, Vietnam. And in Vietnam, there's this, I think it's called Circle, right? So it's a modern shopping center. Like everything else around it is just, you know, very poor huts and and shacks, that kind of stuff. But there's this, I think it's called Big Circle or something. It's this big modern shopping center where you can go to. And there's this story of this young girl who walks into this particular shop, and it's like an electrical shop, and she goes to buy a fridge. And she buys, I think the fridge is like $130 US, Mm. apparently. So she goes in and she she buys this fridge. There's nothing strange about her, but she buys the fridge and she arranges to have it delivered. Now, on the day of delivery, it gets delivered to this little this little shack, and it's an exorbitant kind of um, price, you know, for what it is for this because you know, obviously dong is you know is so low value. Um, but this woman opens the door and she's shocked. She's like, "I didn't order a fridge," and there's the girl's nowhere to be seen. Now, apparently, uh, according to this urban folktale, um, the drivers say, well, you need to contact the store. They, she contacts the store. She goes into the store. There's no CCTV footage, obviously, but they're like, no, no, this young girl, and describes this young girl, and the woman breaks down crying. Like She breaks down crying, and she's all really upset because it's her daughter who had passed away months earlier, right? The daughter had been killed in some accident or something. Now, what she does is that um, she's like, oh my God, my daughter promised me that this summer she would buy me a new fridge, right? So the kicker to the story is they go over to check the cash that she'd paid with. Like they still had the the cash. So they go check the cash. Guess what it is? Ghost dong. It's ghost dong. <laughs> but it's ghost dong because you know how we were only just at the end of last year talking about, you know how they burn cash? Like mm. they burn fake money. Oh, it's the money it's from the- It's the fake money. It's the-, the mother had burnt the <laughs> fake dong that the mother had burnt for her in the afterlife. It was fake dong. <laughs> So there you go. So there, if you're interdimensionally traveling beyond this plane of existence, you can have, that's why you want your ancestors to burn fake dong for you. And that's what the story that I will leave you with for this episode. That's amazing. Just incredible. What's the exchange rate on the dong? (laughs) (laughs) So how much was the fridge? 130 US dollars. 130 US dollars. So it'd be like 200 200 Australian? Something like that, yeah. That is, <laughs> is that three million? Three point two million dong. Yep, for a very cheap fridge. Yep, that's a lot of dong. Well, it's a lot of fake dong. And you couldn't bring me back one I've single got dong. dong. I've got dong for you. I will bring it in. Do you have delicious wang? <laughs> Heavenly <laughs> did wang. You, did you bring back an egg slot for me to <laughs> demolish? I was really hungry. I could have gone for an egg the slot. Kicker is Heavenly the show. wang is a sausage shop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really do that. Yeah, it's run by Germans. <laughs> Schnitzel shop. That's a wrap for this free show, I think. Is but, that yeah? That's that's is that a wrap? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll go into the the John Keel stuff later on. Uh, let's talk about the end of society, the yeah. collapse of civilization. Uh, Schwab stack coming up. The constant prodigy is the article I'm going to be looking at, but also we'll be going into 
solar behavior, how solar and geomagnetic conditions shape human history. Some really intriguing stuff coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about weird weather, geomagnetic forces, cosmic rays. Cool, I'm in. Your brain being blasted with them. The incoming grand solar minimum mm. and what it's going to mean for you. The top 10 ways to w survive the grand solar minimum. Is it a tinfoil hat? Um, Would that actually work? I think number one is be invulnerable. Be invulnerable? Yeah, be like an X-Man. Be Wolverine. Okay. That's the only way you can so survive. It, that's out. So, any other options? The rest of them just say C.1. <laughs> if you want to get access, head to mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash plus. All the details are there. Sign up today. Help support your favorite show. When you sign up, you get access to the big extensions we do on these shows every single Friday. And of course, Plus members get an exclusive show, a new season of Plus starting on Tuesday. There's a new show every Tuesday for Plus members as well. Uh, plus members also get a higher quality MP3 version of the show. Of course, you can watch all the videos, the full length videos of Plus as well on the website, mysteriousuniverse.org. And uh, if you sign up for MU Max, you get access to our massive back catalogue going back 16 plus years of this show. Uh, plus members also get a totally ad-free version of the podcast as well. So sign up today, mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash plus. Welcome to another season. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If you're on plus, stick around for the great stuff after the break. For everyone else, we'll catch you next week. Where's my thing? I've had too, too long a break. Where's my button? Where's my button? <laughs> Welcome back to your Plus Extension. Great to have you with us. Didn't even have time to change the... I noticed that. Why bother? Yeah, it's all good.